Unfortunately, when you desperately need a job, you will usually take the first one that is given to you. And most of the time, it's hard to find something different. That is like most of the men that worked the graveyard shift at Sloss Furnace. Most of the men left that job a little bit richer, but without the ability to ever work again. Hey guys, and welcome back to my podcast. I'm your host, Lulu, and if you guys couldn't tell by the audio, we are in the new studio. There's a couple things that I have got to tweak before I can actually get on YouTube. I didn't realize I was going to need another desk in here for my computer. I didn't like think that part through. Some of my backdrop stuff's not done quite yet. One of my lights needs to be fixed, and yeah, but we are in the studio. What that means, you guys, is that there is going to be a lot less background noise. I am no longer next to my son's room. The dogs are across the yard. Hopefully, things start sounding a little better. And that is also the reason that I was not able to get an upload up on Friday. I have some plans on making that up to you guys. I'm not going to say anything yet because it is a busy week, but... I didn't realize when I moved everything in here that I didn't have a way to get internet to my computer, um, and therefore I couldn't pull anything up, I couldn't record anything, and we had to run to the store this morning and get it all set up and done so that I could get it, you know, an episode for you on Sunday. So I'm sorry that I missed that upload. It was because I was moving into the new studio, but I do have plans on making it up to you. Just hold tight, and I'll make it up to you. Anyways, you guys, Halloween is tomorrow. I'm so excited. Hopefully you guys have a ton of plans. Um, We just have plans with our kids, of course. We're going to go trick-or-treating and stuff, but that's about it. And, uh, you know, hopefully your Halloween costume is everything that you wanted it to be. If you have kids, hopefully you're super excited. I'm just excited because Halloween's my favorite time of the year. But anyways... Let's go ahead and talk about today's case. Now, today's case, I was thinking about putting it on Friday's upload, um, but I decided that even though it's not super like a Sunday upload, because it's during, you know, Halloween time, it would work really well for Sunday because it does have some death talk in it. This is a real life place. Um, I feel like it just fit better than a Friday upload, if that makes any sense. So let's talk about Sloss Furnace. I'm going to warn you right now, I keep wanting to say sloth with a T-H, not sloss. If you hear me slip up here and there, I'm going to apologize right now. I'm going to try to catch myself every time I do it. I don't know why I want to say sloth. I think it just rolls better than sloss. But yeah, just warning you. Anyways, I've got my Dutch Bros here. No interruptions. Let's talk about Sloss Furnace. We're going to start with the history before we get into the, you know, urban legends about it and the theories and things like that. Sloss Furnace is a real place. It is a place that you can visit to this day. It's considered a national history landmark and it is located in Alabama. The factory was originally used to create pig iron, which is also known as crude iron, 
and this is created by smelting iron ore in blast furnaces. This factory would become huge, you guys. Everybody was buying from them, using from them, and they, you know, kind of blew up. It would open and operate from 1882 all the way to 1971. And it is still open, but it is no longer operating. This is a museum now, and you can go see it and learn about the history of Sloss Furnace. They have added some things to the site that were not originally there, like a visitor area. But when it became, you know, a museum, they sort of needed to add those things. You can still visit this museum, and it is free, as far as I saw. They are open Tuesday through Saturday from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. if you are interested in learning more about the history and about the things that I don't necessarily know because I haven't visited myself. Sloss Furnace gained its name because it was founded by a man named James Wither Sloss. They would begin to build and operate these blast furnaces on a 50-acre plot of land. Once it was built, they would fit it with 60 feet tall and 18 foot wide blast furnaces. These things were huge, and this would allow them to create more than 24 million tons of iron in only their first year. And like I said, everybody was using things from Sloss Furnace, and in you know, a very short amount of time, they were able to win medals for the factory from being so successful. Even though the original owner was making quite a bit of money, he decided that the factory was too much work for his liking and would go on to sell the company to some investors in 1899. Once these new investors took over, they would fit the factory with new blowers and even a couple new boilers. They would end up rebuilding some of the furnaces with newer equipment and really upgrade everything there. Oftentimes when things are sold to new owners, the company will purge out the people working there and they sort of did this with the management system. The management that used to run the factory would leave and they would hire a brand new managing team. On this team was a man named James Pickering Dovell. Hopefully I am saying his name right. He was the superintendent and would develop a multitude of things. This man, for some reason, probably to uh, you know impress his peers, would start to use gas to clean the equipment and begin to look at the designs of the factory. And when he noticed design flaws, he would improve the furnaces and bring them up to the higher up. I am not sure if he is the one who brought up the idea of building homes there, if they were already there, or if the management and the new owners just decided to build homes, but they would end up building homes on that 50 plot of land just feet from the factory that they would allow the workers to live in. I know this sounds really great at first, but I want to remind you guys that this happened a long time ago and this was a different time for people. The people who ended up living in these homes were actually the black workers because they did not live the same privileged lives as the white male workers there. So even though these homes were a nice looking gesture, they weren't really because they would end up going to these workers' homes and waking them up or bothering them when they were not supposed to be working and telling them that they had to go back to work and forcing these workers to go back to work. <laughs> 
So these homes weren't actually really a great place, but most of the people who lived in the homes and worked on the factories, especially the black workers, could not find anywhere else that would hire them for the same amount of money or do any of the things that this place was doing. So they would just ignore the fact that they would bother them outside of work hours and have them come into work and they would just continue to live there. Eventually, the new investors would get sick of running the place and sell it to a man named Jim Walter Corp. Another reason they would end up selling is because they were having massive air pollution problems and they really didn't want to deal with the company and they felt like it was going to go belly up at any time as soon as people started to really care about the air pollution. And then it ran for a while until it sounds like the company was donated. I am unsure of this part. It kind of was a fuzzy piece of information and that was really the last piece that I got because after that point it would become a museum. Now that we have a ton of the backstory and you know some history of Sloss Furnace, you know, talked about, let's talk about the legend. This is one reason why I thought about putting it on Friday's upload, but as I go back through the legend and the deaths that happened there, that's why I decided it would be better on a Monday. Well, I guess Sunday, because I upload Sunday night for Mondays at work. Either way, I felt like it was better today. Now, sometime during the time that Sloss Furnace was open and operating, they would hire a man named James Wormwood. I do not think this is the same man that would start to clean the equipment with gas. I believe this is somebody different. He would become a manager and they would hire him to watch over the graveyard shift because nobody else wanted to work that shift. The crew that he would manage was very small. It was only about 150 workers at the time because their only job was to keep the furnace fed and running for the morning crew. Now, if you guys know anything about night shift, really anywhere, a lot of the times the workers will try to do as little as possible, goof off, not really be super into the work because they don't have a lot of managers breathing down their neck. They get the minimum done, you know, everything kept being fed. And that, just like a lot of graveyard shifts, was what was happening here. It made it easy for a while until James, who I saw was nicknamed Slang, would begin to crack down on his crew. He wanted the upper management to see that his graveyard shift crew was doing amazing work. So not only was this plant already miserable to work at, him cracking down on his crew made it even more miserable. Now I kind of want to put it in perspective. During the summer months, the temperatures inside of the factory would get hot. Almost 120 degrees hot, you guys. Most of the workers at the graveyard shift would feel like they were working in a living hell. And this is 120 degrees at night. It was hot. If they could have worked somewhere else, they would have. But the only problem, like I said earlier, was most of them couldn't afford to quit this job and work somewhere else because they would also have to pay for housing and they were not paying for housing. This plant was miserable. It was hot. It was nearly pitch black in there. And the workers were running off of little sleep because the management liked to wake them up during the day and tell them to come back to work. Not only were they being bothered 24-7, but these homes themselves were cramped 
and packed with other workers, making it very difficult to sleep. So they were running off of little sleep during the graveyard shift. Due to the lack of sleep and the skeleton crew, the production on the graveyard shift would be very, very low. And James decided he was going to fix that. He would begin to berate these workers and yell at them to speed up. On top of that, and just constantly walking around and telling people to speed up and to stop talking and to stay on task, he would begin to watch them and start to make them cut corners, making them take very high risks while working in order to speed up the production. And this did work. It did cause his numbers to skyrocket. But once he began to do this, his crew began to get injured more and more. These injuries would start off very small, but as James would force his workers to do more and more dangerous things, they began to die. There were 47 workers that would lose their lives under the management of James because of how he was treating them and because of the risks that he subjected them to. His production might have been skyrocketing, but so were his deaths. If you were one of the lucky workers that did not die from the risks he was making you take, most of them would become so injured that they had to take time off or could no longer work. A specific case was that of six workers. There would be an explosion in the blowing engine house in 1888. This explosion, you guys, would burn the workers blind and they would no longer be able to work. If things couldn't get worse for them, they would then be stripped of their breaks, their holidays, and then they were forced to work basically around the clock 24-7 every single day. Now, here's where it gets a little more interesting. It is reported that in October of 1906, James would lose his footing one day and fall into Big Alice. Big Alice was the nickname of one of the highest blast furnaces at Sloss Furnace. As James would fall, his skin would begin to burn from the heat as he got closer and closer to the hot ore. And finally, his body hit it. The melting iron would instantly melt James into the ore. The original theory of this was that James was at the very top of Big Alice for some reason or another and had inhaled the methane gas that was coming off of the ore. Because of this, James would get dizzy and lose his footing, ending up falling in. But what's interesting about this is that James had never, ever, ever in his entire job, career, life, whatever, stood on top of any of the furnaces at any point in the plant. So why was he even up there? And why didn't he make another worker do it? Here's where the theories come in. The theory, the biggest one, is that the workers were sick of James. 
They were sick of how rude he was and about how he didn't care about their lives, their feelings, or their sleep. He was constantly berating them to work. He woke them up. He made them take these risks and they got mad one day. They either forced him, somehow, to climb to the top of Big Alice, and he got dizzy and fell in from the gas, or, as a crew, they carried him up there and threw him over the edge, watching him melt into the oar, making his body and James disappear forever. That's the main theory. People don't believe he was up there and just got dizzy and fell. They believe that the workers murdered James. As soon as James died, the company deemed the graveyard shift too dangerous to work and they would close it. They would no longer be offering any sort of graveyard shifts for Sloss Furnace. Whatever was being done at night could wait until the next morning. So they discontinued all shifts probably for good reason. But that's not the end of James. Because weird things began to happen. They knew and they had confirmed that James had fallen into the furnace and died. So why were they still seeing him walk around the plant? James hadn't actually been at work for months and then years, and they were still hearing him yell at the workers. If you couldn't see him, you could hear James yelling from across the plant, and you knew that it came from him. Then the whistles began to blow themselves. Things started to move on their own, and things started to turn on and off like they were being used. But nobody was around. If this wasn't creepy enough, the fact that they were seeing the possibly murdered manager walk around in 1926, there would be the first injury. Somebody was pushed hard from the back, while a familiar voice that they had heard so many times yelled at them to get back to work. This, in the end, would cause the worker who got shoved to sustain some injuries. I am unsure of what injuries they did sustain, but they would turn around to yell at the person who shoved them, and their eyes would meet an empty room. Nobody was there, and nobody had been there the entire time. Then suddenly, three other supervisors would disappear. They had been seen that day working just fine, and nobody could find them. Worried about what could have happened, the workers set out to look for all three of them, ending up finding them in a small boiler room, unconscious, alone, and locked in there. They eventually unlocked the room and got them out, and when they finally came to and they asked how they got in there and why they were there, they all had the same story. A man with very, very burned skin had approached them and begun to yell at them to hurry up and push some steel. And then every single one of their visions turned dark. And they woke up in that room. 
That was it, and people believed that James had kidnapped them and locked them in that room because he was angry. All of these incidences pointed towards a very angry and dangerous spirit. But if all of that wasn't scary enough, the very last incident, somebody would get very hurt. A man named Samuel. I am not going to try to say his last name because I don't think I could say it. Samuel was the night watchman who was the only person on the graveyard shift. And he only worked that shift to make sure at night nobody broke in and nobody destroyed anything. The night that Samuel would get hurt, he was done with his very last shift because the factory was set to officially close. He would do one last look around for good measures that he always did and he found someone. A man that looked to be half man, half demon. He was covered in burns and looked pure evil. This demon of a man would try to force Samuel up the stairs for some reason. But Samuel, unfazed, unmoved, and unafraid, refused to go upstairs. Then suddenly this thing began to beat him with its fists over and over and over. This would hurt, of course. It would hurt any normal person to be beaten with fists, but he would finally get away from the attacker. When he was at a safe distance and would look at why his injuries hurt so bad, he would discover that he was covered in burns. This thing, everywhere that it had hit him, had left burns all over his body. He immediately went to the hospital, but they could only confirm that he was covered in very intense burns. And unfortunately, Samuel didn't end up making it. He would die from the burns that he sustained on his very last night of work, from who we can only guess to be an angry James trying to get Samuel to walk up to Big Alice, to possibly push him in there. Since Samuel died, things like this have not stopped. As I said earlier, this is an open museum and you can visit it, and people will go and visit it and see paranormal things. Sometimes, they see James walking around. Sometimes, James yells at them from afar to get back to work. And sometimes, they get hurt after coming face to face with James. But that doesn't mean any of it is proven. There have been numerous studies of that place to try to find any sort of paranormal activity, and all of them turned out to say nothing was out of the ordinary. So what is going on at Sloss Furnace? What happened to Samuel that night? Factory work is no joke. And even now to this day, it's not the best job out there. But at least you know that you won't fall into a melted vat of heat. And that your body won't immediately melt into a liquid metal. But you never know if somebody who has been melted is haunting 
the factory that you're working at. There may be false or misleading information throughout this podcast. All facts have been researched to the best of my abilities, but accidents do happen. If this is a story you are interested in knowing more about, I highly recommend doing your own research. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.